I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect the best and nothing less I expect, I expect, I expect I expect all the possibilities I expect positive energy I expect with no regrets I visualize it all, know what's coming, yeah I'm synergy, I reach every dream and love my enemies Everything here is a lesson, everything that comes to me counts as a blessing no. Good day, good day, welcome, welcome, thank you so much for tuning in I'm Jay and this is Homeschool Your Kids Podcast Today we have with us Dr. Phil. You have Dr. H up there. What you like to be referred to? I thought it was Dr. Phil. It is Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, introduce yourself, sir. Okay. Um, again, my name is Dr. Phil. Um, and yeah, I, I actually did everything in the, the field of education. Uh, so I have five graduate degrees and a doctorate. Um, I was a special education teacher a school psychologist. Um, I was an assistant principal, principal at all grade levels, uh, area superintendent, uh, superintendent. I had uh, 300 schools and 210,000 students. Uh, then I was a national ambassador for United States Department of Education. Uh, then I did just some consulting work for Apple and Amazon uh, and did extensive work with Oracle uh, and their technology. And then I I uh, taught myself how to code and and uh, I, you know, after a stint of uh, when I did that, I fell in love with coding and I developed a couple of nonprofit coding academies for urban youth. Uh, and then I decided to develop my own uh, product, uh, which is Playbook. Playbook is a innovative reading technology that uses artificial intelligence, natural language processing and speech recognition to help children learn how to read. And the, the basis of it is um, in the past, the only way that we assess reading is we quietly have children read a paragraph and answer multiple choice questions. And that is that is actually has nothing to do with basic reading. That's reading comprehension. And so we have never assessed basic reading unless you personally sit down next to a student. Uh, what a teacher does is called a running record. You have the student read and you mark every single error. And that takes 20 to 30 minutes per student. Um, and, and, and so what we developed was a tool that actually can hear the child read. Every time a child picks up a book, one of our books, and they read it, um, and we can mark every error uh, that the child made. Um, we actually are different from regular speech engines to where they usually just um, they usually just hear, you know, record basically what the what the child read. We not only can hear what they read, but we can hear all the way down to the phonemic level. So if a child read the word bat, we can hear b at or the lack thereof. Uh, and, it, and it's a great tool that's in, in a lot of school districts and has been you know, around the world today. Uh, and then of course, I'm an author and a public speaker, but <laughs> those are just- uh, Of a, course. A things <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have never had an introduction like that. Oh my gosh, like five postgraduate degrees. You just like school, huh? Well, yeah, I'm <laughs> you love school. Yeah, I have six and then I'm finishing oh. up another graduate degree. Uh, now MBA uh, in business, just, just, uh, I mean, I just love learning. Um, you know, oh, I just believe that's, that's the best platform that I have to learn. 
um, outside of interactive podcasts and those kind of things, talking to interesting people like yourself and just kind of, you know, going well, back and forth. talking. So kind. No. Okay. So oh, there's so much, like you just dropped so much on me. So you've gone, like you said, through every field of education. Um, I have. Oh my. So special education. And been a professor too. Been a professor a as pro- well. So at, at the college level as well. Oh my goodness. Okay. So through all of that experience, through the superintendent, principal, special education, everything that led you to say, okay, reading is the issue that you saw, obviously, through all of that experience. Man, reading is a major issue. Mm. Um, And I don't know any other research, but it it basically 75% of children in the United States read below grade level at the fourth grade level and it's even oh, yes. more dismal for african students yeah and so that's regardless of social economical status regardless of race or anything 75 percent, and that's an issue um and then they you know correlate that with a high dropout rate um and then 73 percent of crime in the united states created by high school dropouts 82 percent of prison inmates have a reading impairment that's just just never been corrected mm. uh, so you know it's a it's a national crisis to me uh and it's something that we have to address especially um, approaching this digital era um, that we're that we're in this uh, where our students are no longer they no longer are competing for jobs uh with their their next door neighbor or state over or county over um, they're competing against jobs from a global society uh, you know I, even I have I have a, a, a chief technology officer I've never met in person uh, he lives in Canada and, and uh, India uh, and, and so understand it that, that you know, you're going to have to have a certain set of skills in order to compete. Um, and, you know, the other statistics they say is that, you know, in 2030, 2040, in between that time period, 85% of jobs that will exist have not been created yet, have not been invented, um, but they will have some aspect of technology and reading proficiency. Uh, and the reason why reading proficiency is so important is, you know, even if you look at a schooling period, whether it's homeschooling or any school, the way that we define a, a smart child is basically they memorize information and able to regurgitate facts. Well, that means nothing nowadays because you have chat GPT, you have AI, you have a phone that can give you any information in the world, but you have to be able to critically read through it and critically apply it. And, and that's going to be what you're worth. That's what you're going to be paid for and not just memorizing information and you know and doing well on the SAT or SAT oh my goodness yes yes Dr. Phil yes these are the things that I used to talk about I don't don't talk so much about them anymore because you know people weren't really like listening on that level um I used to be a 12th grade English teacher um, okay, and I always great. start because everyone always asks you, you know, where did homeschool your kids come from? Like, why did I like do this and all this? And I'm like, well, when I I ended my school um, experience or education experience in the classroom, I ended in 12th grade. And I said, most of my students reached me not being able to write a complete sentence, reading on a third grade level. And I always right. wonder, like, you know, the correlation. And I don't do that much research. My research is more hands-on experience. Um, so I was in the classroom for 14 um, plus years. But what do you, why do you feel that our kids are being left in that fourth grade 
um, space or third grade space? Why do you feel like, you know, because you, I mean, you've done plenty of research. <laughs> yeah, and we have high school students who are even below the third grade level. Yeah. Uh, as you know, as an English teacher, and we just graduate past these youngsters on, but one of the things is that, I mean, it really is, it's it's really because they their foundation looks like a Swiss cheese. Mm. They have holes in their foundation mm. um, and they just need those holes plugged. And and the way we usually do it, like I said, you know, addressing just reading comprehension, that's not addressing the matter. There's actually only five ways that you can teach reading. There's only five ways. It's not anything else. And it's uh, phonics, phonemic awareness, uh, reading fluency, reading comprehension and vocabulary. And so those are the five components of, of reading. Um, and the other aspect of it is, is because before what we taught was whole language learning. We went away from a phonics-based, uh, scientific phonics-based um, instruction. And whole language learning meaning, you know, you memorize words, you look at picture cues and all those kind of things. Well, as you progress and, and get to higher level reading, um, you're going to come across words that you don't know. Um, and not only that, uh, it, it, uh, what happens is our children spend so much time trying to read and decode that they have no more energy to understand. Um, mm -hmm. They're just they're 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 fighting to get through, <laughs> you know, word by word, uh, and so they're not fluent readers, uh, and that's because they don't have the the reading foundation skills. And then you topple that with the fact that we have a large poverty poverty uh, population now. Uh, and a child in poverty is exposed by age three to 300,000 words. Um, but a child in a middle-class household, a professional household, is exposed to 3 million words by the age of three. Oh, wow. And so even that gap alone, you know, so now you got to look at background knowledge, uh, which is very important uh, in understanding what you read as well, to have that background knowledge and, and exposure. Uh, so there's a lot of things um, that goes into play of why, you know, right now we're having that, that great divide, but education is like, it, it's a pendulum, you know, they, they swing with models. And so we have a, a large population that got caught with this whole language learning um, and teachers really, and elementary teachers, they're not real, they don't uh, take a lot of classes on reading. Uh, and so, uh, it, you know, 85% of teachers or 86% said, that they learn how to teach reading in the class from other teachers oh, in the in building. A, yeah, in the classroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so on the job. And so that's not that's not an effective way to, to do it. Uh, and so they didn't have the background and training. And they're just, you know, um, I, I remember being a middle school principal. I was in Chicago. I had 900 students in elementary. Um, and I had a teach had teachers who will uh, say, look, my kids are reading. They don't have them come read to me. And and basically you know, see Dick run, see Dick hop, see Dick. And they just were memorizing mm -hmm. as opposed to teaching them how to break down, you know, those words and give them decodable books. So, yeah, there's a lot of the uh, things. And, 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 you know, and people start to homeschool their their children um, to get away from, you know, all the things that, that are some of the negative things that happen in public school. Um, and, and still, they also need to understand or have a tool um, that aids in that teaching that that foundations of reading. And that's why Playbook was developed, uh, you know, despite the adult. It actually gives recommendations to the adult of where to pinpoint areas and, and of the student. But then on the same time, it gives recommendation of activities to the student to close the gap of those um, of those skills. 
and it has gamification so the kids are just having fun really awesome. and that's an app earth. that's an app on apple and um gameplay what is it google well Play? it's a it's a it's not an app. It's a reading. It's a, a reading platform um, that, you know, what I usually do is direct the school district. I do site license and then um, homeschool networks. Um, I, I give license to, they, you know, pay um, a yearly uh, site license for a student uh, or a subscription uh, license. Uh, okay. And so it is device agnostic. So it belongs on any phone, any tablet, any computer, um, you know. And so, yeah, and it's, and it's like I said, it's research based proven um, with the science of reading uh, and the results are, are phenomenal. Okay. So it's similar to like IXL then. IXL, Star Reading, those type of programs. So Not necessarily like a, format, but I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's a so, reading program of that nature. Yeah. And the interesting fact is like some of the activities are like IXL, but they have voice. Okay. So where IXL may say... Um, the letter A, what sound does the letter A make? And you have to drag an apple onto the letter A, right? But for us, we say, what sound does the letter A make? And you have to say it. Okay. And, and so we can hear, like I said, down to the phonemic level. So in order to advance your character, in order to get credit, you have to say it. So we know. And then we have at the highest level where we eliminate picture cues. Uh, and so if it's asking you to read a word or blend or segment or, or you know, diaphragms and digress, all those kind of things, it's asking you at the highest level to produce it sound. It does have the drag and drop and point and click, but as you progress to learn that skill, you're going to have to produce it. And that's another advantage because kids are never allowed to practice it in those formats, IXL and those kind of games because the computer that's is saying it for them and they're yes. not able to display it. Oh, that is so amazing. So how important is phonetics? Because you're you're speaking on a phonetics tip because you know a lot of these schools are focusing or like grade level wise they're more on the sight words like memorization like right. you spoke about um how important right. is phonetics because you know we got gracie's corner now this is the phonic song like you know and so she's kind of bringing back and i love that <laughs> you know because i feel like phonetics yeah. is where it starts like you have to learn the sound of each letter first mm -hmm. before you can really grasp the understanding of trying to sound out the word because like you said like you can memorize all the words you want but once you get to a word that you don't know then what yep and you spend more time just trying to figure out that word um phonics is in uh the phonetic aspect of it and phonemic awareness is very important um and, and that's it's, it's aligned with the science of reading the science of reading is 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 you know old it's never changed uh, but people just you know the cell books you know, like scholastics or whatever to sell books and those kind of things. They just went away from it and, and went to something that's more cute. And then again, because, you know, they didn't have teachers didn't necessarily uh, have the background of teaching and reading, they went what was comfortable to them. Uh, and, and, and it met the masses uh, for a while, uh, memorizing things. Um, but this generation is different. They actually learn different. Um, this generation is born, you know, these are digital natives. They're born with the iPhone or iPad in their hand. I mean, I, 10 month olds, I can go to a restaurant and you can see them flipping through an iPad or, or you know, yeah. uh, in their finger. Working. They already yes, know. Yes, they like, be working. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, and so that their brain uh, um, is different the way they learn. And it's not just the one dimensional memorization, uh, those kind of things. 
the other aspect of it, what people don't know is that teaching reading is actually like rocket science. It's not a normal thing. It's not natural process. It's actually new in our evolution of, of being a human. Uh, and so you have to actually rewire the brain in order to learn how to read. And that's a, it's a, it's a intentional direct talk process. Uh, and phonics and phonemes are, are not uh, something that's natural. Um, so most people think, you know, you're born, you start to coo and babble, you start to talk, then you learn to walk, then you learn to read, like the natural genetic process. And that, that's not true. That's not and so unless teachers are direct teaching those foundational skills that we just talked about, um, then it's going to catch up with them. And the reason why it usually does that third grade is because you're no longer reading to read, but you're reading to learn. And so you have to grasp everything that you have read. And then the end result, which the end result is comprehension. And that's what we usually assess. We assess comprehension. And then we intervene based off the comprehension flaws, but we need to intervene based off the reading foundationals uh, skills that they lack. Mm. Yeah, I've had adults tell me that they can read a whole page of something and not take away anything from it. Like they just like, yeah. they have to read it over and over type deal. Yeah. I was, and some of that's dyslexic, some of that's dyslexic. Mm, and not recognizing, you know, I'd be thinking yep. of my children. <laughs> Okay, that letter D and that B, honey, like, I don't know how to, how to make them understand, like, you know, that my seven-year-old, like, she's just yeah. like, is that a D or a B? Like, and it's like, oh, we've gone over this so many times. Yeah, <laughs> some of it's, nor some of it's age-appropriate reversals, letter reversals, mm. and those kind of things. Some of it's glasses, some of it's mm. um, you know, visual processing. Um, so, for instance, uh, and, and then, but when you get to the adult level, if that stuff is still there, that's, you know, there's, there's, I mean, you can diagnose it as a, as a child, but there's definitely dyslexic issues and dyslexia is, is not just reversals uh, and those kind of things. And so it, you know, it's, it's, it's um, a neurological um, mm -hmm. issue of, of understanding phonics and phonemic awareness and those kind of things. And so it needs to be directly intervened with, but um, another interesting thing is like, even when you start looking at, um, Let's just go back to children of poverty. Uh, and, and by the way, it's also 70% of prison inmates have a visual impairment that has never been corrected. So if they just simply had glasses. Uh, and, and one of the reasons is, is because, um, you know, natural light is important. Contrasting colors are important. And so, you know, one, you go to schools where they don't have windows, you know, it's almost like a prison. Like they don't have windows because of the air condition. Um, you either have, sometimes you either choose between windows or air condition. Um, and, and so uh, those who have, you know, air conditioning in those buildings, they don't have the natural light. And the buildings are all tan, no contrasting colors. The reason why that's important is, is also you go home and if I had the choice to buy light bulbs or food, mm. uh, I'm going to buy food. And so you go to a lot of homes that don't have light bulbs and don't have that light uh, and don't have contrasting colors. They have a lot of blacks and dull colors. Well, that develops the rod and cones in your eyes. The rod and cones in your eyes develop visual discrimination. And so how do you look at print and determine what print is different from the board or the print on the page? Uh, and that visual discrimination, um, obviously, um, and, and so that's, a, that's an issue where you have a lot of dark homes, you have a lot of contrasting colors, uh, 
a lot of bright colors and those kind of things that pulls a rod and cones in the eyes. And they go to school and that same environment is mimic. Um, I've been at schools where um, people uh, are just, they feel comfortable that the teachers, the adults feel comfortable with minimum light. And they're like, they're saying, well, it keeps everybody calm. That that actually has an effect on uh, the learning environment. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's just a lot of different issues that, um, you know, that needs to be addressed. The other one is that we have a national teacher shortage. Mm. Uh, and so not only do we have, we're just putting people who can breathe uh, in a classroom. <laughs> I mean, I, I listen, I've seen all building staff with, and, and this is not a disrespectful sense, but what oh, no, associate's degrees, they just have associate's degree uh, and they're teaching high school. Yes, and, uh, you know, and, and have no AP background. Classes. In yeah. Uh, and so just just the babysit kids are not even they don't even can't even comprehend or learn the information themselves in order to disseminate it. Right. Um, and they're learning it are not that they can't, but it is difficult to learn, try to learn that information by yourself. And you didn't and it wasn't taught the methodology of, of science or reading at a high school level, grade level to understand, you know, different texts and, uh, you know, literary texts and those kind of things. Or in the other aspect of it is that our universities are actually closing colleges of education because they don't have students enrolled in them. Mm. And so we we need to try to figure out and, and stop sitting back on the importance of the fact that, look, <laughs> this national teacher shortage is just going to get worse. So how do we mitigate the problem? And we know it's technology. How do we utilize technology to to help those uh, those issues? The same thing to me with homeschooling is there's a certain point that you can take your child and I get it. I mean, we're all about um, um, creating a whole child, right? Uh, and so there's social emotional skills that need to be, that needs to be directly taught. Um, there's academic skills that need to be, but in order to have the rigor, um, everyone is not built for homeschooling. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so if that's the case, then how do you, how do you close the gap on that process? I'm not saying everyone shouldn't do it. What I mean is everyone is not built to do it by themselves. Yes. Uh, and so you have to utilize technology. There's ways that you can utilize technology to connect groups, homeschooling groups for some parents to say, you know what, I'm struggling with um, uh, physics. And there's another group of parents that are great at physics. So how do you connect them? How do you create a, a, a virtual classroom or or how do you, you know, make that communication happen to where your youngster can benefit at a high level? Because again, they're no longer competing against their neighbor or the next county over. They're going to be competing in a global society. Uh, blue collar automation already happened. Uh, and now white collar automation is, is happening at a fast rate. And so you have, you know, lawyers that artificial intelligence will eliminate all the basic lawyers. You just need really... One, I mean, they can they can look up any brief and summarize it. You have doctors that um, that they have technology now that can um, diagnose uh, and give a, a um, an intervention for breast cancer that is ninety nine percent accurate. And breast cancer is one of the most deadly is the most deadly cancer. Uh, and once you get it more than once, if it comes back, you know, it's not a good um, outcome in a sense. And so to to be able to have um, uh, technology that can give you an intervention that is accurate more than a, than a doctor can, uh, a regular doctor can. And so, you know, a, the regular doctor is just going to have to know how to 
interpret that information and then, uh, uh, you know, and help uh, with the intervention plan. And so it's not just blue collar jobs or factory jobs or those kind of things. Now it's, it's rampant. It's everywhere. Uh, and again, we don't know what the future jobs are going to look like in a whole because technology is, is switching over so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, look, I'm just learning. Look, I'm sitting here taking all this in <laughs> with my listeners. <laughs> I have definitely taken all this in. Um, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. It's a lot to think about in regards to parenting as a whole. Because, you know, when I talk about homeschool, I'm not talking about homeschool. Like, oh, take you, remove your child. Everybody needs to remove their child from the public school system or private school, whatever school. No, I talk about homeschool on the level of regardless of the school setting of the child, there should be school or learning taking place at home. There has to be learning taking place at home for that child Mm -hmm. to be the well-rounded individual that we want them to be. Um, Technology-wise, recent interview, and he was talking about Afro-futuristic, I want to say. He was talking on that level of um, technology. But just speaking... We have to we have to respect technology for what it is because if you want your child to be able to see in the world that's going to be their future, it's going to be technology driven. Yeah, we and that's perfect. That. Uh, well, everything you said was spot on. Like, if your child is in school, you still have to at home fill in the gaps. You you have to. Of course. Um, you know it, the the funny well not funny but um, <laughs> even when they talk about school preparation. Uh, you know, they say that the schools that are more at risk now are not necessarily the urban schools. It's your upper middle class and wealthy schools because they feel like they're doing it right. Their child is memorizing everything. Mm-hmm. It's how on the ACT that, you know, they have technology in a sense, but the, the children are not failing per se. And they feel like they're doing right. Uh, and they're only doing right in our current system, which is educating kids for our past. They're not necessarily preparing kids for their future, future. Uh, where urban schools, they're they're in shambles. And so they're taking risks and they're trying, you know, problem based learning uh, and they're, in, you know, integrating technology to create and, and all those kind of things. And, and, and it, you know, implementing one on one and but not using it just to uh, as a history or, or say this assignment is due or, or doing gaming and point and click, excuse me, but they're using it to create, like I said, and collaborate and communicate all the skills that was going to be necess- necessary for the future. So that, like I said, regardless of school, if you're in a, a affluent school, it still it still doesn't, and your child is doing well, you still need to fill the gaps at home uh, yeah. with exposure and, and technology. And, and you know, um, I, I would, every time my child, you know, had a, I don't know, an idea and he wanted to learn about it, I would pay for a, a course, an online course, you know, that he, that he went through. And I would, you know, pay for this and the other, um, whether it's an online course or whether it's, uh, you know, um, a local activity, um, you know, photography class or, what, you know, he was into robotics. So robotics and all those kind of things. I pay for those clubs at home um, because, I, you know, you have to fill in those gaps and prepare your child for the future. Now, he has a full scholarship at USC. He's a freshman. Uh, not only did he have a full scholarship from the university, but from Amazon and NASA, they also gave him, you know, additional, you know, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, and so, and he has an internship, but I'm not saying that that was just the, the correct formula, but what I'm saying is that I knew that the school, which he was at a very nice school, prepared him well, but not necessarily prepared him holistically for his 
future that he's going to be, uh, you know, living in, which is a di digital ecosystem. Mm. Yeah, I, I, oh, <laughs> and you threw that out there like he just got fifty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars, like you just threw that out there real like easy. Like, yeah, Amazon also gave him some money, but. That's awesome. I, I just, you said so much already. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, and I knew that. I read your bio. I knew that you you were gonna be a plethora of information um for thinking information at that because you're technology driven. Teaching yourself how to code is no easy task. Um, by no means. I, I started that route, but I, I went to the platform um route instead when making my homeschool app. It's like, yeah, now that's a lot. <laughs> I don't have that time right now. Yeah. But um no, you're amazing. And I, I appreciate all that you're doing. Spoken with someone on the superintendent level and you were there. How is that? How political is that level? Because, you know, people feel like, like once you get to a certain position, it's like, oh, okay, well, you should be able to make these changes. You should be able to do this. You should be able to do that. How much control do you do you actually have over the school system or school district? at that level. I see you shaking your head. Superintendent doesn't <laughs> have Yeah, the superintendent doesn't have control. <laughs> it's unfortunate. And, and yeah. you know, one, I was a superintendent and and also Mississippi. Mm. Um, I wrote one of my books about it. I, I'm not, I wasn't from Mississippi, so I didn't understand the landscape. But yeah, I was held at gunpoint. They would cut the brakes to my, my cars and all those kind of things just because I was educating uh, students that didn't look like them at a high level. This isn't uh, figurative. This is actual. No, this is actual. Yeah, I wrote a book about it. This is a real, you know, kind of a documentary style narrative. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, they would cut my brakes several times. I would be driving on the highway and no brakes. Um, and, and you know, I, I was jogging in my neighborhood and they put up with shotguns, just like Ahmaud Aubrey, but I just happened to, you know, run in a zigzag and, and run through the woods and, and with the, oh, you know, grace of God. Uh, yeah, I made it. And so, you know, um, but, I, you know, four years and, and we became one of the, you know, top performing uh, growing schools in the state of Mississippi. Um, but the, the point is, uh, at that level, it is political and your board is, is you know, could be helpful or destructive. Um, and I thought I was the, the boss, but I'm really just making recommendations to board mm. members and I have board members who, and again, this is not in a disrespectful sense, uh, but I have board members who didn't even graduate from high school, um, mm. but yet they're telling me, you know, what I'm saying is wrong uh, on how to educate kids. And so, you know, or people that have their hand in the, in the money, you know, and, and so, oh you know, you know, money is a, is a big persuasive thing. And, and or the fact that a lot of people, if you look at the, you know, kind of political landscape. A lot of people's roots come from being on the school board. And for some reason, people use the school board as a platform to start their political career. And oh. therefore they try to make a splash or make a noise and they pick something that they can, that, you know, drag their heels in and go against and, you know, rah, rah, rah. Uh, and it has nothing to do with children. It has to do with them trying to garner support you know, and their fan base and those kind of things so that they can move on to other careers. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that that have nothing to do with children, but I also seen great school boards uh, and, and I've seen great mm -hmm. school boards, meaning 
that uh, it's not a rubber stamp board, but they work hand in hand with the superintendent uh, and they listen to the recommendations and, the, and, the, and, and those kind of things. And they do great things for kids. And so, um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a political aspect. And then even, even if you take away the political part of it, um, the, you know, let's say I have 20 or 30 schools. Well, I can't be in those schools every day. There's, there's no way that, that I'm the one that's affecting, taking credit for that change. You know, I believe that the principal is the CEO of their building and I believe in site-based management. So as a superintendent, my role is to provide services so that they can do the best that they can to make decisions and, and or have the resources to support the people who are in the classrooms uh, who who are, you know, the, have the most impact. Um, yeah, but I can't tell a teacher what to do. I don't have a relationship with that teacher. Uh, and actually, even a principal, uh, you know, telling the teacher what to do, and then that teacher goes to the classroom, closes the door, and they're gonna, they <laughs> yeah. do whatever they they want, right? Because you can't be everywhere at once. And so it's it's you know it's a it's a way that you have to empower people and have horizontal leadership, not vertical leadership, not top down leadership, but it has to be horizontal where you're very collaborative and you're getting everybody in on the decision making process and have buy in and feel worth. Um, and those kind of things. I mean, we we don't value our teachers enough. We don't value our administrators mm. enough. Um, and and then the other issue is is that unfortunately at schools, like we we lost who our customer is. Mm. Everybody thinks the customer are the adults, <laughs> and the customer are our children and their parents. Uh, and there's there's no other industry that disrespects the customer, the customer. over the yeah employee per se. Uh, and, and so, you know, we do what's convenient for us, not what's convenient and, and best for kids. Uh, and, and, you know, and so that's, that's kind of where those, those issues come in is that we're doing, you know, what we put the needs of adults over the needs of kids. Mm. Um, and so what, in the yeah, name of so, classroom management, in the name, in the name of, of making of sure y'all sit down and be quiet, <laughs> like, oh, you know. And it, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of wild sometimes when you, when you see, and then the other thing is that um, we, the they say we sit on more data or just as much data as a Fortune 500 company, yeah. but we don't do anything with it but record history. Yeah, you I was going to say nothing there, productive uh, with present, it not present. Yeah, we just pass, fail, present, not present. You know, the students here, this is their grade. Um, those kind of things. Uh, as opposed to um, where companies, they know they know more about their customer. They know more about their end user uh, than anyone. And they make decisions based off that. I can, Before I walk in a store, they know what I'm going to buy. And they know how to mm. influence what I'm going to buy. Uh, you know, I, I can just talk uh, while I'm looking at Facebook and all of a sudden there's ads on whatever it is I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what? everything is personalized <laughs> towards me, but we don't personalize a student's education journey at all. We, again, mm. we do what's convenient for us. Yes. Do you feel like more schools are needed? Like, do you feel like, like as far as the public school sector goes, because we talk about classroom size and I feel like that would make all of the difference um, if classroom sizes were way smaller. Do you feel like that would be beneficial if there were more schools in the district? 
Because you know how you um, start off with how many elementary schools? Like you could say like 20 elementary schools and it trickles down to like 12 middle schools. Then you get about five high schools. Like, you know how it just condenses, but the children don't go away. It's like you still got all these kids. So what do you feel like a solution would be in that aspect? Uh, I mean, it, I mean, anytime you have smaller class sizes, you have an opportunity to uh, be impactful, but it's still depending on that adult. Yeah, it's it's a combination of adults. I mean, there's still people who are successful with large class sizes, right? It's still schools that are successful and that have extreme poverty, and have uh, you know children that come from extreme violent and poverty areas, and they're still top schools. Uh, and so it's it's not you know uh, one of the things that they do say is important is the administrator, the principal, and the teacher, and they actually show that um, if you have a group of high-performing teachers and you have a low-performing principal, it actually brings down the performance of teachers. If you have a low-performing teacher and a high-performing principal, they can bring up the performance of teachers. Yeah, so, leadership. you know, it's a, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, again, it, it goes to the adults. And, and I tell people, school is like little league baseball, mm. meaning, the kids are fine. It's the adults that's the problem. <laughs> mm, yes. That was always my issue. I would tell you. I used to tell people, I love the kids. Like the kids, those are yeah. my homies. The, them adults, though, that's where yeah. the disconnect comes because it's like, why are we doing half the stuff that you have us doing? Because it's not right. I feel like teachers right. need to have more of an input. Like, you know, they're hushing the yep. teachers and they're the ones with the customer, as you said, like they're the ones that are yep. forefront with these little people who need all this information or needs this personalization. And the teacher is the one that knows what they need. But yeah. the teacher is like the last person they listen to. <laughs> like, okay. right. And that's why I talk <laughs> you know about, that. about that's why I talk about that horizontal <laughs> leadership necessary because the boots on the mm. ground ignored. The people in the classroom have been ignored. But yeah. but then you also have those who are trying to do right and the others who are not. And that it still messes up what you're trying to do. So you have standards, behavior expectations in your classroom where they're like, Miss such and such don't don't you know let us do this or Miss Such and such does this. Yeah. And so again, it's it's like everybody needs to be on the same page. It's like we're we all are here for kids. We're all, you know, let's put our ego aside. And, and let's let's have some consistency because kids will li live up to our expectations. They they will quickly live up to our expectations. But we, I don't know. It is it's disheartening sometimes um, what, what we don't do. Yes, um, it's a lot. It's it's a lot. Um, I just can imagine what I mean. You've been held accountable for trying to change schools for the better. So like my level of experience and your level of experience is totally different. What caused you to travel to all these different states? Cause you say you were in Chicago, you were in Mississippi. Like, were you just like, Yeah, I was in Chicago, Mississippi, Tennessee. Was it school-wise, like Mississippi, Tennessee? Texas. Um... Michigan. Yeah, I've been all over. Um, some are just with degree advancements and career opportunities. Um, okay. 
Uh, I mean, I was a, I was a, you know, superintendent for a tenured amount of time, but most people don't know that the average shelf life of a superintendent is two years. Um, mm. Every two years, oh, because wow. of not just because of their performance, they're not judging their performance; they're judging their relationship with the board. And you know, you start getting a turnover of board members, and some people get on the board just because they don't like you, or because you suspended their kid, or you know, because of one decision, and they get on that board, or like I said, they get on the board to make a political point, and they're and they're and one of their point is to come after that superintendent, uh, and, and so to no fault of their own. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, you only have less than 2% of superintendents are African-American. Um, and so, you know, you have that issue as well. And so it's just opportunity. Um, and I, you know, really want to affect change. Some of it, you know, growing through my career path, um, you know, as, as, a, as, you know, I was a principal at 25. Uh, and so just kind of career advancements. Yeah, I was going to say, because you don't look like <laughs> For all this experience and all this school, all these degrees, I'm just like, yo, this man is like, <laughs> not that old <laughs> at all. But okay, so 25, you were a principal. You were fast chaining it up. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I put it like this <laughs> I was at a junior high. And so some of my ex students are 36. Wow. <laughs> we were we like grew up together basically <laughs> like, yeah i was in east st louis and some of them were like 18 so it's just weird like 17 they was held back so many times and stuff like that Aww. uh you know some of my students are 30 20 but still in other words yeah i mean i was young um in, in that seat and, and some of my students match match me closely match me in age um mm. but no it again it was just opportunity um and then a lot of the things i did with the united states department of education allowed me to travel a lot too and to see a lot um but it's yeah man we we just have to it's important that we get it together uh because yeah. one is to me it's a level of national security again yeah. if everyone's competing for the same job now uh and two you know that's what they talk about the have and have nots it's not going to be a middle class uh, because mm -hmm. of automation so either you are reskilled and you have the ability or you don't um and and that word reskilling is important because it's not that it's necessarily eliminating jobs it's repurposing jobs um for instance you know everybody thinks that like mcdonald's the intercom system where you're, you're talking to um actually ai chatbot if it comes wrong and then an adult um, or somebody a human comes in and, and corrects your order but they're training that chatbot. So pretty soon that adult will be eliminated. That um, um, yes. but but the but the issue is or or for instance, they have this new technology. I think it's called like Patty. And it's a robot that actually flips burgers with accuracy. And it only costs thirty thousand dollars. A lot of restaurants are starting to invest in it. And because Patty doesn't get sick, Patty doesn't call in. Patty works 24 hours a day. Patty on um, time. And, and Patty's on time. And it, Patty. Yeah. Patty. But, so so I, I say that to mean that it's not that, yeah, your job is eliminated behind a grill, but who who maintains that robot? Who who programs it? Who cleans it? Who fit? Mm. So there are still job new jobs that are going to be created, Indeed. but you, you know, you have to be flexible. They say the the next level of intelligence. And in, in that 
in the future, which is now, <laughs> is the ability to learn, unlearn, and relearn. Because technology yes. has a shelf life so fast that your job is not going to be the same month to month, maybe year to year. You're going to have a totally different aspect of the same career field, the same title, but your responsibilities are going to be totally different. And you have to erase all that that you had before in your head of how to do my job and, and you know, and, and do have a different skill set to do something different. Yes, having that flexibility. I said the bachelor's is the new high school diploma. I say, y'all think that high school diplomas mean something? They don't mean anything. That's how I used to tell my seniors, like, y'all got to understand where we're headed. Um, I had them on the computer a lot, but a lot of them didn't see the purpose. A lot of them, like, I remember one of my 12th graders asked me, what? Why do I need a resume? He was just like, oh, my gosh, honey. <laughs> Hey, yo, I want you to do well. I want you to succeed, but they have to see the vision also, like getting them aboard and getting them to things beyond social media or beyond just, you know, entertainment wise. Um, we use, we, we use technology. Yeah, we, we engage with technology in the entertainment way, but not in a way that is going to be applicable for a, a career field. Uh, it, it's yeah. about creating. It's about communicating. It's about you know collaborating, critic, you know, uh, being creative and 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 those kind of things. And so, yeah, the four C's. Uh, but yep, kids are just learning how to point and click and 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 scroll <laughs> and laugh, uh, which is you know it's not as 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 frightening in a sense. And, and let me also make a statement. That I've also been in schools where are and, and I've been in a lot of schools nowadays where these kids are tough. These kids are, um, I think, education was listed as one of the you know um, they call them ha hazard jobs or need hazard pay, and these kids are cussing people out and they're they're angry and they're dealing with a lot, um, and we're just trying to educate them and we're forgetting the other aspect of it is. To educate the whole child is that we need to look at the behavior aspect, social emotional development, um, because these babies are not getting it at home. They're not they're not understanding how to regulate their behavior and 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 you know uh, persevere and how to deal with adversity and and how to deal with being upset. Uh, mm -hmm. And conflict just, resolutions, yeah, conflict resolution, all those kind of things. They're they're looking at this what is glorified on that those social medias and those kind of things and and yeah it's 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 it is frightening it is it is scary for for uh teachers also in those situations where i'm also like i said a, a psychologist and i have a psychology clinic and you know some of it was just working with teachers um that are at these you know tough schools and they're going in and out and they're emotionally they're 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 drained they're, yes. you know, emotionally, they're being affected. Uh, yeah. So it's it's rough. It, it's also rough. I know we got to understand who our customer is, but that's another part of it is that knowing who our customer is and knowing what's the priority at that point in time. Academics is a priority, but we also have to prioritize social emotional learning in some of our schools. Some of our schools, regardless of whether the teacher is there or not, these kids are going to be successful. You know, they have the, the, the parental support. They have the background. They have the resources. They come to school already prepared, like I said, 3 million words over 300,000 words, which is a large gap. Um, and so they already are, you know, geared and ready to learn and they can perceive information. But we have 
a lot of our schools that are 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 not like that. And then we have a lot of our high schools that are considered dropout factories, where they're only mm. graduating twenty percent of their students, thirty percent of their students, wow. and this is on a year yearly basis, year after year. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. We we have the lowest uh, high school um, graduation rate in, in history. Uh, it, the same as college entrance, we're we're very low um, as a nation, and so <laughs> yeah, mm. we gotta figure yeah, it out. Yeah, no, it's a very insightful conversation. Very, very insightful. I know you're giving people a lot to think about. <laughs> you're giving a lot to think about, definitely. Um, because you know things changed from the time that we were in school to the time that our kids are in school, to the time that their kids are in school. But a lot of times parents or grandparents, as you know, we have a lot of grandparents raising kids um, or grandkids that, you know, there's still stuff on, well, when I was in school, well, when I was in school and it's like, yo, it's nothing like when you was in school, <laughs> things have changed, okay? <laughs> right, and some of our grandparents are 40. Yes, yeah, no, my mom was a 36 year old grandmother, so. Please understand. Yeah. I definitely yeah. understand that wholeheartedly. So yeah, I had a, I had grandparents say they come to school and said, "Uh, this is the last time you're gonna see me because I, I, I still, I still got to get. I raised <laughs> mine. <laughs> That's a famous line that need to be on a shirt. I already raised mine. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah no, yeah. <laughs> it still take a village, grandma. We still need you, grandma. Yeah. Like, Need but you know that, but, that's another and, and I know it's getting late but I'm that's another interesting thing that you said is it takes a village um yes. meaning that this is the first time in history that a single parent is truly a single parent single parent, single parent households were never a risk factor before um but now if your neighbors parent, were involved don't talk, to, don't talk to my kid don't don't say nothing to my child I ain't my mama ain't got nothing to say to me my my, my brother better not say nothing to my kid and you're you're isolating yourself uh and you're truly by yourself um and and that's the the negative effect like you said it usually uh, takes a, a village but that that has uh fell by the wayside yeah, a lot of people don't want that village anymore. A lot of people have had traumatic experiences with that village. And so they kind of shining that village out. So it's, so, you know, it's definitely always a lot of different angles that are the reason why or how we got to where we're at. But it's like, all right, y'all, like, like you said, it's a state of emergency for real. People don't understand. And I speak and I talk and I told you I don't talk as much as I used to. I let other people like you who have done all this research and have all these lovely degrees where people are going to respect and listen to on a whole different level. Because it's like, oh, well, he said it. <laughs> like, but no, we, we've been here. Like we've been here. These kids, I know my first year in my own personal classroom, I have, a, I had a seventh grade young lady reading on a kindergarten grade level. And the suggestion was wow. for me to give her pre-K work. And I'm like, how, like, how, how, did, right. how did you even get here? And how do I get you further? Like that was, I cried so much that year. It's, it's, a lot because we do have the passionate teachers who are definitely there for the reason for the cause thinking that their classroom is about to be all the difference that's needed but then you you get in there and you're like oh shucks <laughs> yo they didn't talk about this in undergrad like they didn't say nothing about this <laughs> like this wasn't part of the training we didn't we didn't go over this 
where do you exactly. go from there? But I, I'm glad. That's why I'm grateful for individuals like you who see the problem and work on a solution. I'm so happy that you've created all of that you have created and continue to create and are able to speak on the subjects that you're speaking on as a Black, profound, intelligent man. Like that well, matters. You. Like you've got to understand, you know, your presence matters, matters, matters big time because um, it's, it's not much of you and we need more of you. So thank yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank no you. Worries. Thank you. Tell us more about your technology and where we can find it. Uh, well, it's at um, playbookeducation.com, www.playbook. And playbook is spelled P-L-A-B-O-O-K. Uh, and most people are like, you're teaching reading. Why do you misspell it? Well, it's actually, um, because it's a multi-syllabic word, the vowel can scream its name. So it's a, another play on the fact that how complicated uh, the English language is. But yeah, so plabook.com, playbookeducation.com is where you can uh, find it. And, and then, um, and yeah, and, and you can look up Dr. Phil on, on Instagram and and uh, just yeah, send me a shout out or send me a message and, and uh, would love to talk and collaborate and go a little bit further. Yes. And I don't want to hold you, even though I could talk to you like all day. <laughs> What's three things you would like parents to leave here with? Like three things that can further their homeschooling experience, just their, their raising of their kids in general, just three things that you would like to leave families with. Yeah, I, I would say um, expose your child outside of school. So you, you, you have to expose your child to a variety of things outside of school um, because the school is only right now serving a certain aspect of their, their learning. Um, that's, you know, one, two is the social emotional development. Uh, you know, behavior has to be direct talk. We can't say you should know better or you should uh. this, that, and the other, that you have to take time to direct teach uh, behavior. If a child is failing in math, um, we wouldn't necessarily kick the child out or whoop the child. We would, we would intervene. Uh, with the intervention, the same thing with behavior. Uh, there's consequences that are needed because of behavior, yes. So you don't ignore consequences, but you also teach replacement behavior uh, that's incompatible or inconsistent with, with the behavior that's that's there. Um, and the third thing uh, is, uh, again, make sure um, as you expose your child to technology, like beyond gaming uh, and those kind of things is, you know, create a project, or you're just outside taking pictures, making videos, putting that with literature and writing behind it and, and you know, just creating things um, is important, I think. Um, and so, yeah, those are the three things that I, I kind of want to leave parents with. Take reading series, get playbook, uh, or advocate for your school to purchase playbook. If the school buys it, then the parent uh, license is free. So. Nice, nice. Yes. Reading is uh fundamental. It's it's powerful. I talk to my young ladies about that all the time. That's where it starts. We gotta be able to read. We have to be able to read. You don't wanna have to depend on anyone telling you or feeding you back information that you can't take in on your own. Very dangerous, right. very, very dangerous. But families, yeah. like Dr. Phillips gave us a lot to think on, me myself included. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to listen to back to this. But um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, no thank you. Like thank I can't you. say it I enough. Thank you. 
But families, yeah. in the meantime, in between time, remember homeschool your kids.